Well, it is so good to be here with you this evening. I bring you greetings from Redeemer Church over in Ada, as, as Dale uh, pointed out, uh, your daughter congregation, uh, although we're getting uh, quite large ourselves. So, uh, But it's a, a great joy of mine to be here and bring the word uh, this evening. If you would turn, in, turn with me in your copies of Scripture to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 23 through 24. This is a benediction, a good word, a blessing from Paul to the Thessalonians, but it's also a blessing for us. 1 Thessalonians 5, 23 through 24. Hear now the word of your God. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely, and may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful. He will surely do it. So far the reading of his word. Let's go to him now in prayer. Our Lord and God, we come to you now asking that you would guide our thoughts and our heart towards you. Left to our, our own wills, we would grow distracted and tired of your word. We do pray that you would give us receptive hearts, soft soil that would receive your truth, that your word might be planted deep and might grow to bear rich fruit, pleasing in your sight. We do pray that you would comfort us in our affliction and convict us of our sin, that Christ might receive all glory. It's in his name we pray. Amen. Well, in classic Greek mythology, few figures stand out as having a worse fate than King Sisyphus. It's one of my favorite kings of, of Greek mythology. It's also one of my favorite words to say, Sisyphus. Uh, when he had come to the end of his life, Hades came to take him to the underworld with handcuffs, but Sisyphus, being cunning, tricks Hades into handcuffing himself he then locks Hades in a closet, and whenever somebody uh, is supposed to die, they, they can't die. Uh, they just bleed and, and walk around, and, and the, the gods are very uh, upset with this. They're upset with Sisyphus, and they come to him and tell him he must let uh, Hades go. Uh, eventually, Hades does get, a, does get out, and Sisyphus is sentenced to an eternity of hard labor, each day he must roll this enchanted boulder up a large hill, and as he rolls the boulder, it gets larger and larger until the point that it's so large, when he reaches the, towards the top of the hill, it's too much for him, and it rolls all the way back down, and he must do this day after day. Only once he were to roll the boulder all the way up could he be free, but this will never come about 
His cunning was overcome by greater cunning. We come around with this phrase that, that a task is a Sisyphean feat. It means it's frustrating or futile, maybe even pointless. And for many of us, this is what it feels like when we fight with sin. We repent daily of our sin. We seek to develop godly disciplines. And we see some measure of victory, but then a burst of unrighteous anger erupts out of us. Or we take a friend's video game when he's not looking. Or we look at something that we know that we're not supposed to be looking at. Feels like the boulder is just rolled all the way back down. Pursuing holiness ends up feeling like a Sisyphean feat. Painful, frustrating, and futile. And if that's where you are tonight, if you're feeling beat down in trying to grow in grace, there's good news. God will bring about our perfect sanctification so find hope in his blessing. That's the good news from our passage tonight. God will bring about our perfect sanctification. So find hope in his blessing. And this good news can be seen as we focus in on two parts of this passage. First, we're going to look at the blessing. And then we're going to look at the one who blesses. So the blessing and the one who blesses. So let's look first at the blessing. Turn your eyes back to verse 23. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely, and may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus. As with many letters, Paul closes this letter with a benediction, a good word for the church. And the substance of this benediction reflects Paul's concern that he's been writing to them about this whole time. You see many of these same themes throughout the entire letter, that they might be faithful witnesses to the culture that, that surrounds them, a culture that is very hostile. If you're looking for something to read tonight, read Acts 17, and you can hear about the hostility that the Thessalonians were facing. The key to his concern is their walking in holiness. So Paul prays and implores God for the sanctification of the Thessalonians. And he prays for two facets of their sanctification. The first is that they would be holy or fully sanctified. It says, now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely this word completely, it, it doesn't really come up m many uh, times at all in Greek literature. This seems in some ways to maybe be something that Paul himself has come up with in the New Testament. It means whole to the end. That something it would be whole to the end. That our sanctification would be whole to the end. And kids, you understand this perfectly. This is putting Kool-Aid powder into water and mixing it up and you know sometimes there's a little bit of that residue and it's that chalkiness and you get that in your mouth and that's not pleasant. Paul is praying that God would sanctify his people, mix in holiness 
so complete that it's 100% mixed, that we would be whole to the end, holy, that we might be fully sanctified. But not only does he pray that they would be fully sanctified, he prays that they would be finally sanctified. Sanctification is not just a process without a goal. The final state of sanctification is complete blessedness. He says, and may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus. The final state is blamelessness, that we might be perfectly holy. And notice when that is. It's, it's when Christ comes again. It comes on that day of judgment, whenever he's going to look at us and look at our lives. He's praying that whenever Jesus sees us, he would see something perfect, something beautiful, something without blemish. He's praying that we would be completely and fully and finally holy, irrevocable holiness. This is what we hope for at the day of judgment, or at least many of us, at least most of the time, right? Is this, is this your desire to be fully holy, to, to be holy, holy, if you will? Do you want to be blameless at the last day? And you might intellectually affirm that, but is this what you're longing for? Is this your desire that you would be perfectly sanctified? You can see it in your life. You can see it in the disciplines that you're cultivating it. Do you hate your sin? I was interning under uh, Francis Van Dulden uh, out in Maryland. And uh, one of my very first visits as, as, a, as an intern was to go and visit uh, this family who uh, was an older husband and wife. And she had just had both of her hips replaced. But her husband was not bouncing back. He was not recovering. He was tired all the time. And the very last visit that I made uh, was him receiving chemo treatments. Uh, he had leukemia, uh, very aggressive. But within a, a month and a half after leaving, he passed away. And the, in the very last conversation I had with him, I asked him, you know, what are you longing for? What are you hoping for? And he said, I just, I just don't want to sin against my wife anymore. I want to be sinless. I don't want to sin anymore. Obviously, being the young buck that I was, I was struck to the heart. I was like, man, this is, this is a saint. Someone who wants to be free of sin, who doesn't want to sin against loved ones. Are you indifferent towards this blessing that Paul prays for his people? Or is this what you're longing for? Is this what you're hoping for? And this blessing offers so much hope to our growth and grace, but how can we be sure that this is indeed a blessing? How do we know that this isn't just wishful thinking on Paul's part? He's just a pastor hoping that his people survive to the end. 
Why can we find hope in this blessing? It's because the one who offers this blessing is not Paul, but our faithful God. Look again with me at verses 23 and 24 and see the God who blesses. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely, and may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful, he will surely do it. And Paul focuses in on two realities of who God is, that the God who blesses. First, that he is the God of peace. It is God who has made peace with us. He's the one who spreads peace. He's made way a way that we might be made right with him. See, in our natural state, we're sinners. We are God-haters. We despise the things of God. We despise the good. We are at war with him. We don't naturally come to him, but it's only because God, in his abundant richness and mercy, chose to save us. He has made peace with his enemies, with us. And he's done this through his son. In 1 Thessalonians 1, 9 through 10, Paul says, for they themselves report concerning us the kind of reception we had among you, how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God and to wait for his son from heaven whom he raised from the dead, Jesus who delivers us from the wrath to come. It's because he sent his perfect son to bear the wrath that we deserve, that we are at peace with God. We can claim him as our God of peace. We've been reconciled through the cross. We are no longer enemies, but friends. The God who did not spare his son to bring about peace. This is the God who blesses. This is the God who offers hope for your sanctification. It's not just the God of peace, but it's the God who has called you. The one who calls you is faithful. God from all eternity past chose us according to the counsel of his own will. And he calls us to himself. He invites us to the wedding feast. He invites us to the banquet. This call is effectual, which means it's not going to miss its target. It's not going to fall on deaf ears, but it's going to sweetly draw us to himself. As Paul says in 1 Thessalonians 2, 12, God who calls you into his own kingdom and glory. It's because God has made peace and God calls us in that we can be sure that this blessing for sanctification is certain. God desires us to be with him. And I think part of what, what happens whenever we talk about salvation sometimes is we, we put it so far outside of ourselves. We, we think, well, this is just part of something that, 
that he's doing, and I'm kind of off here, and somehow I got over here. We forget that the goal of salvation is that we might glorify and enjoy God forever in his presence, that we might have communion and fellowship with him for all eternity. God who has called us, who has made the provision for peace that we could be with him for all eternity. That's how you can be certain that this blessing is for you. And it's true blessing. He will surely do it. Has he not given everything in his son? Did he not call you to be into his kingdom? You can have certainty that this blessing is for you because God is the one who offers it. This perfect sanctification, this growing in devotedness to him, to be blameless at, his, at Christ's coming, this blamelessness is growing in Christ's likeness that we might be found as Christ is on that last day, the blameless Lamb of God. So as we consider these words, as we consider this blessing and we, we come to it, how should we respond? Well, you should find hope in this blessing. This, this blessing is a blessing of hope. If you're here tonight and you... Uh, do not know Jesus as the one who has taken away your sins. This, this blessing can be yours. You can know this one. Call out to Christ. If you desire to be with God, all you have to do is call out to Christ in faith and say, I know I need you for, for the forgiveness of my sins and I desire to be with you. I desire to be saved. You too can know this blessing. For those of you who have already received this blessing, who, who know Christ as your Savior, let this be all the more of your motivation to put sin to death in your life. Is it not helpful to know that this is the work that God is doing in your life? That as Paul says back in 1 Thessalonians 4, that this is the will of God for you, your sanctification. The one who is most powerful, most loving, and most good is at work in your life, and he blesses you. So pursue your sanctification, pursue your growth in grace. Be about this work. Because this is the work that God is about in you. And three, this is, I think, for, for me, one of the more profound points is that this encourages you to take a different perspective on your sanctification. It can oftentimes feel like sanctification is, is a Sisyphean feat, that it's futile, it's pointless. We see sin crop up in our life just as soon as we put to death some other sin. And it can feel like, like the boulders rolling down the hill day after day. But that's not the picture 
that we get of sanctification here. No, God is the one who is at work, and it's God who will bring you to the end. I, I prefer the illustration of one of my former professors. He would talk about uh, it's very easy for us to think that we're a yo-yo, up and down, up and down, every day, up and down. But as we zoom out, we see that we are in the hand of God. God's carrying us up the stairs. You see, even though we have ups and downs, in, in, in the long run, God is still carrying us faithfully to the end. This is the work that God is doing. Your sanctification, your, your work that you are doing in your life is not pointless, even when it may feel like it. Those, those attempts to put down that, that sin that clings so tightly, be it gossip, be it pornography, be it anger. God is about this work in your life, so be about this work. And it's not pointless. It's coming to an end one day. God is going to bring that to an end and you will be perfectly sanctified in his presence that you might enjoy him without sin. How delightful to know God unencumbered by sin without having jealousy, without knowing distraction, but to gaze, gaze upon God perfect and holy and to gaze upon his holiness. Take comfort in this blessing. Take hope. Know that, that this is true, that I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion in the day of Christ. Amen. Let's go to God now in prayer. Our Lord, we do look at our lives so often and we do not see victory, we see defeat, we do not see peace, we see chaos, we do not see joy, we see despair, we wage war against our flesh, and yet it seems to overcome us at times. It can, grow, it can feel like it's growing even more futile. But God, we, we thank you for this blessing that you pronounce upon your people that you will bring us all the way home to be with you and that you will make us perfect in your sight, that there will be no blemish, there will be nothing to hide for all of our guilt and all of our shame, all of our sin will be done away with. Put that longing for that day in our hearts. We are so often distracted. Let this be our joy and our song that one day we will indeed be perfect and blameless in your sight. And, and let that motivate us into good works, into putting to death sin, 
May we never grow tired of it, not because of anything within ourselves, but because of you, because of Christ, and because of the Spirit that is in work, at work in us. We do pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, let's stand and, and sing a, a hymn of response. Christ of all my hopes, the ground. blessing of your God. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely, and may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful. He will surely do it. Amen.